This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at standupforthetruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, the remnant of true Bible-believing Christians. I just opened up uh, Bible Gateway on my computer as I'm opening up all these windows, getting ready for the podcast a minute ago, and Second Peter 3 comes up, and I've got to read it. Verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be discovered. Since all of these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness. It's 2 Peter 3, 10 and 11. We know there's so much prophesied yet to be fulfilled, and it's coming, friends. We're seeing things happen and take shape like we've never seen before. Uh, dots are being connected. <laughs> the stage is set. The players are moving. And we're going to talk about globalism today, talk about the uh, transformation of America to, uh, well, we're getting close to a socialist state, aren't we? Uh, we're going to talk about that, what we can do about it from education to politics to culture with our guest, John Leffler. And, of course, John's been with us before, uh, and it's good to catch up with him. He hosts Steel on Steel Radio, great podcast, and he's back with us to address some of these issues, news concerning events to Christians in America who are awake, not woke, but awake and paying attention and really active as salt and light. And we're going to look at worldwide events as well, get John's take on what's happening. So, John Leffler, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth, brother. Hi, it's good to be here again. We haven't talked in a while. I know. Great to have you on. Let's get an update on your ministry over at steelonsteel.com. You talk about a lot of fascinating issues and topics, and of course, it must be because Christians are concerned about it, or God really puts it on your heart as one of some of the most important things you could discuss. So just share with us what you've been doing in your ministry lately, any speaking, the recent podcast, whatever you'd like to catch us up on, John. Well, what we're doing now is we're a, a daily 30-minute podcast at uh, steelonsteel.com, and then we package that into a weekend radio show hmm. that airs on radio stations in something like 12 or 15 states. I can't remember how many. Um, and of course, the radio show itself has been on for 31 years. Everyone's yelling at me. I'm supposed to retire, but I'm still here. <laughs> and uh, we've always dealt with things from a worldview perspective in economics, politics, and religion. And we connect what to many people are just very seemingly unrelated dots in those three areas. Mm -hmm. People think these are all separate. And yes. they go, oh, no, 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 no. They're all interacting. And you have to know that. And that's why, as I say on the, on the program, the herd's always running in the wrong direction because they're looking at the dots and they're listening to the media who are purveyors of narrative. That's why we went on the air in Denver, Colorado, 31 years ago to, to be an antidote to that, to say, no, no, that's not what's happening here. Uh, they're filling you with stuff, but the real story is, and we would give actual facts and stories and show people what was happening. So that's what we do. We don't do it on, you know, it, it's not a day-to-day -day bloviating. And we do a huge number of interviews with people who are experts in various areas to mm -hmm. help people understand. So that's the important part. Because right now, the one thing Christians are lacking is really good facts. And it's not their fault, by the way. Mm. Right? It's just yes. simply the state of, state of where we are. We're going to talk about that in a minute, and where the complicit, um, lamestream, Democrat, socialist, globalist media in America come in on, on issues that they avoid talking about because it doesn't fit the narrative to their fear mongering. We're going to talk about the media in a minute because th definitely they, they are not a help when it comes to us being an informed citizenry. And we have to do our homework individually. John, just tell us about uh, how people can get the best information and news sources. Um, what are your suggestions and advice? Watch the Hallmark Channel. It's <laughs> I kid you not. We were we were spending so much time at the time. I was also co-hosting the Financial Sense News Hour uh, with Jim Paplava. It was a daily and a two-hour weekend, so I was just up to my eyeballs in this stuff, you know. 
And it got so bad during the Justice Kavanaugh hearings, the acrimony was so terrible <laughs> that I was sitting in the living room, just sort of in a stupor one night, staring at the Hallmark Channel, thinking, this is the cutest little movie I've ever seen, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, we, we would flip around watching Fox and CNN and those things. I just couldn't stand it. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm, I've been in news work for, for 56 years, you know, radio news, and I just couldn't stand it anymore. It had gotten, it was so absurd. It was mm-hmm. a theater of the absurd. Yep. And what we're facing today in media, and if there's one point I can make to people, is that, you know, when I went into broadcast journalism in the, in the mid-60s, the idea was to report the news. Uh, opinions went on the op-ed page or in editorials that were on the air. Now, starting in the 80s and 90s, the media in the colleges, either in the journalism colleges or the broadcast colleges, were teaching their students to be activists for the betterment of society. You weren't there to report the news. You were there to change society. And what they do is they report some stories. They don't report others. They report some facts. They don't report others. We can talk about how they spin the news. Whatever it is, you suddenly realize that you're getting doctored information. And so say you have the Green Bay Packers playing against the Seattle Seahawks, right? All of a sudden, the referees, the media, have decided they're going to play on the side of the the Seahawks. Okay, <laughs> you know, in other words, they're no longer referees, and right. you know, and, and the the fourth estate keeping track of who's lying and who's telling the truth. They're actually playing on one side. Wow, I I think you're right. Un- unfortunately, um, we have a one party um, media conglomerate, one party big tech media conglomerate in America now. And yes, we can go back to the 1980s. In fact, just the other day, we were talking about some of these early surveys they did, John, with actual people that were anchors like at CNN and other places, ABC, NBC, and talked about worldview. And it seems like I think it was over over 60 percent of them at that time. We're talking the late 1980s favored socialist policies and you go on down the list abortion support for lgbtq and different things and then their monetary support to elections and something like 80 to 90 percent went to democrats this was several decades ago so today they're in the tank and that's why we do have a one party mainstream democrat media in america we have to come to terms with that but john you've been in the news business for decades and decades how does the average person try to grasp that sad reality thinking that they've been getting news and information and facts for the last however many years they've been watching the news it's really hard to explain that to to them um it was really hard in the 90s when I would, Dan Rather would say something, and I'd get on the air in the afternoon. We were four to six p.m. drive time in Denver, and I'd say, "Now, here's what he said last night." But if you look at all the facts, here's what's really happening. Notice how he spun the story in a particular direction. Um, it's really hard to tell people who really think that the media are telling the truth. That's why what I call the independent media began springing up in the late '80s and early '90s, of which we were part pouring out a whole different set of stories. That's why the political situation is where we is, where we is, where we are. <laughs> um, and the, the media themselves did not wake up to that uh, in the 90s. They used to poo-poo us as being amateurs, and I used to resent that because I'd already been in the business, worked for major news stations, network-owned and operated stations, did freelance for CNN, blah, blah, blah. So I used to resent that because I go, they're trying to poo-poo me and say I'm not a professional. Well, by the 2000s, when you saw the Tea Party movement, all of a sudden everybody began becoming aware of the fact that the independent media, which includes talk shows like this, were affecting the political process. People were getting news they couldn't hear elsewhere. And they were aware of the fact that it was a counter, uh, not a contradiction, but a counteraction to the nonsense that was coming out of the mainline. That's why in the middle of the next decade, the teens, they began this process of censorship. First, it was shouting us down, yelling, screaming, etc. But that's why we have censorship going now, because they're losing the arguments, David. Mm. When we make the arguments, and they will continue to lose this. The Democratic Party is yep. in danger of breaking up right now mm. um, because of the way it's fracturing. And a number of people, including Democratic strategists, have been actually predicting this, both conservative and and liberal because they no longer have a connection with the base. Now, you said democratic. I don't look at it like that. I look at it liberals or traditional liberals like myself. That's the way I grew up. Uh, 
And then there are progressives. See, okay. for me to be liberal anymore, free speech, the rights of people, I have to be conservative. Hmm. But I'm liberal in my outlook. I care about people. I want it to work for the little guy, et cetera, et cetera. The progressives now, these people are a blend of neo-Marxism. It's Marxism right out of the Frankfurt School. Mm -hmm. That's where it came from, Antonio Gramsci and Georg Lukács and Kurt Levin and others, and postmodernism, which emerged in the 1960s in academia. These people are a danger to themselves and everybody else because not only are they propagating a, a system which doesn't work, which collapsed and resulted in the deaths of 130 million people in the world in mm -hmm. one century. Uh, they are also taking us onto an incredibly unstable foundation. So they're a danger to themselves, their kids, even if they think they're saving the planet or saving us for democracy. It's not a question of their heart. It's a question of their method, method versus motive, if that mm -hmm. makes any sense. Yes. So your average friend who's a Democrat, they don't understand this. They really don't understand what's going on in the depth of their own party um, because there are multiple levels. All right, let's look at the different levels. The first level is uh, the average, I call it the hoi polloi. That's you and I, okay, and your friends and your family and your relatives. And they go about their lives and maybe they flip on the tube or their social media. They think they're getting news. The next level up, these are the true believers. The true believers believe it's really global warming. It's really critical race theory. It's really Black Lives Matter. They're dedicated. Now, they are what Lenin used to call the useful idiots, yes. the dupes, yep. because they think it's there. The third level is the power, money, and control people who use the second-level people and the first-level people just to get where they want to go. That's the globalist crowd, hmm. you know, the whole crowd that really believes socialism should be there, a total government bureaucracy, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And the fourth level is the demonic level because that's what's orchestrating the whole thing. But you actually saw this. Did you notice at the COP26 conference in, um, in uh, uh, Edinburgh, I keep wanting to say Copenhagen, but it was Edinburgh, um, that Greta Thunberg there, where she was talking, and she said, you know, she said, we want action, and all we're getting is blah, blah, blah. And I said, <laughs> you see, that's a second-level person, a true believer, suddenly discovering that the third-level people have a totally different agenda and that she's being used. She's discovered that, wow. but she doesn't know what to do about it. Interesting. Very interesting. I'm glad you broke that down into levels. And you're right. Um the true uh, conservative liberalism or traditional liberalism has changed dramatically and perhaps even been redefined to what it is today, which is sad. Um, John, let's go back to something you're doing on, at Steel on Steel Radio. First, um, you mentioned Colorado quite a bit. You spent years there and on the radio and uh, living in ministry. I was just there with uh, J.B. Hickson at his church, uh, and we were talking before we got on the air how people are moving out of California and p perhaps Oregon and Washington, and they're moving into Idaho, they're moving to Colorado, and they're moving to Texas. And you've seen this. We've seen this happen. I was just there, and I, they explained to me, yeah, this used to be a red state. I'm going, really? Anyway, um, what's your take on the electorate coming up? And I know this is just pure speculation, but it's fascinating when someone like yourself comes on. I really want to get your take on what you see politically, because I know they're trying to re redistrict and uh, they're trying to allow immigrants and illegal immigrants in some of these states. And they're also changing it by just liberals moving to these states. What is your take on the change or what we have uh, in the future as far as the elections go? Well, the first take we should notice is if you I used to say if the U.S. is the Titanic, California is the bow. Uh, and you and I both lived in that state. I yeah. was there for almost 20 years. And at one time I thought it was the greatest place to be. Who'd want to live anywhere else, you know? But what has happened is that California's one party system, even if it's had a Republican governor, it's mm -hmm. still a one party system. It, yes. yes, Schwarzenegger was there for a while. There were other Republican governors, but that's Republican. Let's put it in quotes. I'm yes. not going to say rhino. Just put it in quotes. Okay. <laughs> um, and so they have wrecked the state. Now, ironically, my, both of my college roommates are still living there. Uh, and they're both progressive, et cetera, but they're living in the rich belt. Okay. The rich belt runs from San Francisco and the, the banking center there down through Silicon Valley down the desirable coastline yep. and through L.A. where there's Hollywood and into San Diego. The impoverished belt 
is now running down the San Joaquin Valley and into my hometown of San Bernardino, Riverside, mm. and that area where they are becoming literal. You go in there and go, I'm in a third world country. Wow. What, what has happened to this place? Um, I've had long talks with Victor Davis Hansen about that because he lives in the Central Valley and he would fill my ear with things that were going on there. You wow. know, the sheriff will, the sheriff will prosecute. Uh, or they'll come out and for him to run a ranch, he has to fulfill all these requirements. And when he moves a, something in the building, he needs 25 permits. But the guy across the road can be sheltering 50 illegals and, and they wouldn't dare do it or they'll be shot. The, the sheriff won't do anything. Wow. Uh, this is the untold story. But the people living in the rich belt in California that drive the electoral system, they don't know that. Okay. And so there's this flood of people out of California who have finally realized the prices are crazy. The regulation is nonsensical. Its energy prices are some of the highest uh, in the country. Its forestry uh, policies uh, stink. Yep. Okay. It's, it's water management. They, they always say California has a water problem. And I said, wait a minute. What do you mean they have a water problem? <laughs> they have 800 miles of coastline. <laughs> what right. do you mean they have a water problem? The Israelis solve their water problem by putting in desalinization plants. They've solved it. Okay. But as soon as you try to do anything in California, like build a train from San Francisco to Los Angeles, <laughs> there is so much corruption, so many permits involved, so many lawsuits, and so many ridiculous regulations mm -hmm. that it just you saw what happened to the train you know the high-speed train great idea instead of airlines running up and down the coast run a high-speed train from la to san fran mm -hmm. great idea how well did that work out <laughs> yeah they were, they were talking about that for years by the way yeah i mean mm -hmm. it's in a state that used to have magnificent freeways that were the the envy of the country mm. um i have a, a very close friend here who's actually edits audio for me but he and his father owned three dairies for decades in uh the central valley near near sacramento wow and he finally called me right after his father passed about 10 years ago he called me and he said uh, john he said I, I just can't do business in california anymore mm. they have made it impossible for me to run this dairy these dairies and so he sold the dairies, laid off all the people that, you know, so there go the jobs, right? Because even the people that bought the dairy are now trying to dump them. They can't, they can't make a go of it. Sold his almond orchards, sold his citrus orchards. Um, he actually sold the cows to a dairy in, uh, Twin Falls, Idaho. Hmm. And he called me and says, you know, it's getting so bad in California. Even the cows are going to Idaho. <laughs> so, and finally, 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 when he called, he got it all done. He called me. He says, I'm out. Um, that's what California's done. Mm -hmm. That's what this uniparty system has done. Um, is that they are now driven as the radicals have taken it over. They are being driven by these radical ideologies mm -hmm. that the whole pr proposals for how we're going to deal with global warming are just absurd. I don't care whether you think there is global warming or not. The question is, what are you going to do? And the answer is, we're going to make energy very expensive. So that people yep. don't use it. Well, now <laughs> here you have an economy globally staggering to its feet when you need to be encouraging. L look at this. There were five points that, that, uh, President Trump had in his economic package. I don't want to go into all of them, but they all worked. Okay. Mm -hmm. We had one of the highest job rates, lowest unemployment rates in I don't know how many years. So that all worked. Mr. Biden has undone all of that. Wow. When we should be hiring people, we're firing people because they won't get a vaccination, telling them that they're a danger, but they're not because they know that even vaccinated people can give the disease to others. So I don't know where the protection is except for the individual. So we're firing people. We're raising the price of energy. It's already gone up substantially due to the actions of this administration at the very same time that we are we are now in an inflationary situation because of all the free money they have dumped. We're paying people not to work, so small businesses couldn't get people to work for them. And the two effects of inflation and on both sides, energy and monetary, it's going to chew the poor up alive. Mm -hmm. This is what we're facing now. That's why you don't want a one-party system. Amen. Hey, we've got a lot more to cover with John Leffler. You can find more on his ministry and his podcast, Steel on Steel. Com. We'll talk about fighting the educrat tyranny. Also, we'll talk about the Stealing the Mind conference that he is often a part of. When we come back on Stand Up for the Truth. 
Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. John Leffler is our guest today with Steel on Steel Radio. He does a podcast, a daily podcast, 30 minutes, and then a weekend program. And we've talked a lot about the Stealing the Mind conference. We've had so many men that have spoken there, uh, Bill Perkins, Mike Gendron, Dr. David Reagan, uh, J.B. Hickson, and many others. But John Leffler, you also were a part of that until you got too busy. But just share some of these common. It's such, such a blessing to have these voices and these men of God that can speak into churches and culture. And uh, we uh, we know a lot of them, don't we? We we know a lot of them. Uh, the reason, you know, some of these conferences and materials, especially if you find really good podcasts, there's a lot of schlock out there, you know that. <laughs> um, and you have to find the good ones is because people have realized now that what we are doing, it's one thing to say, take back the country, blah, blah, blah. We all know that. But when it comes to education, which is the core situation, the reason we are where we are, is because the church failed to react over the last 30 to 40 years, despite mm-hmm. a lot of us yelling and screaming that yep. your problem was in education. Yes. The kids were being indoctrinated. They're going to change their philosophy. We were losing 60 to 80% of the youth in the church. And it was very hard to get pastors to turn, to pivot, and to deal with that. They just kept on doing what they were doing. Uh, but that's where we are. And so what people have started to do is create parallel societies, and saying, fine. And this may be, this is really a strength in this country that we do have federalism, mm-hmm. that you have eight, 50 independent states that are joined together that, well, if it doesn't work over there, let's try it over here. And that's why people are moving from one state to the other. They say, it's not working in this state. We're going to go to another state. Maybe we can make it work. The same thing's happening with education. One of the blessings that has happened, uh, of, as a result of COVID, has been all of a sudden millions of parents have been able to see what their kids are being taught, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. in school. And as a matter of fact, there were some districts where they said they didn't want the parents to watch the sessions. Now, immediately, that should set up a little red flag right there. <laughs> yes. You know, and, and said, well, okay, when there was an uproar about that, they said, well, you can't record it. Now, that's second red flag. Uh, why not? This is a public institution run by a government educating your kids, and they suddenly discovered the radical philosophies that the kids were being taught, which is what we were saying. You know, you mentioned Bill Perkins's uh, program. I did a two-hour video TV show, a panel discussion for the Stealing the Mind Conference in 1994, three or four, I believe, called The Truth Behind Outcome-Based Education. Mm-hmm. And we had Charlotte Iserbeet and Genevieve Sutton and Barrett Chose, et cetera, on the show talking about this. Uh, and we predicted where education was going. And even at the time, Christian educators were saying, oh, well, that's not true. You're just badly uninformed. In reality, it was the educators. We went and looked at what the educrats were saying hmm. about where they were taking education. And everything we say, I've done this periodically. I go back and run this show from 30 years ago again. And I <laughs> say, I want you to hear what we said 30 years ago. Look at what's happening now. So you have a choice. You can either fight over your local school board, etc., or you can create a parallel society. The church must obey God, raise its children, not give them over to secular atheists to be raised. And that's what the church has done. Yes. And so, and by moving, people are trying to build separate societies in different states where they can do it. So that's the, this is the shift we're in as people have recognized, wait a minute, even Remember, we talked about traditional liberals, many of them, Alan Dershowitz, even Bill Maher. When I started agreeing <laughs> with Bill Maher on stuff, you know, although I did predict as we crossed through 2000, I told listeners, I said, watch, you're going to see strange crossovers here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree on that stuff. And uh, when they agree that, wait a minute, freedom of speech is really in danger, it is. It has to be mm-hmm. preserved. And the censorship that's current on the social media sites must be made illegal. They must be treated as common carriers now. And see, what they do is they play, they're playing a double game, David. Yeah. And what they do is when it's convenient for them, they're a common carrier. But when it's also convenient, then they're publishers and editors that censor and rewrite and make comments. And they've been able to, because of the way the law is structured, jump back and forth between these two. In my mind, it's pick one or the other. Mm. Uh, and if you're a publisher, then you're liable for suit. If you're a common carrier, that's great, but you have no right to censor people. 
Uh, it's like you're picking up your telephone on the phone company deciding whether or not it was going to process your phone call based on what you were going to say. Um, and so I was having this debate with, uh, uh, a friend at, uh, one of the Jewish organizations because he was really upset by some of these, uh, Holocaust deniers being allowed to publish books and he wanted to see Amazon take them down. And I contacted him and said, you can't do that. I mean, I don't, I am not a Holocaust denier. I understand <laughs> right. it. Okay. I'm very supportive of what goes on in fighting anti-Semitism. I said, however, if you chop it out for them, we're f- facing the same battle over here being chopped out. And before you know it, all you wind up is with people chopping everywhere. This is, you can't have that. Free speech has to involve hate speech. It's mm. just part of the game. Even the Supreme Court, David, ruled on that. Yes. That in political discourse, it sometimes it gets loud. It gets noisy and people insult each other. Yep. It's part of the process. I don't like it, but if you don't do that and you say, well, we have to censor some of that, good. Who's going to censor? What are the terms for the censorship? Do they apply it equally? Blah, blah, blah. And the answer is almost universally no. And finally, it's one group gets to speak. Another group is forced to shut up. But that's where we're at, John. There is censorships, literal censoring of, you know, the opposite view, which is conservatism, Christians, uh, federalism, you know, constitutionalists. There's one side that is already being censored, and it's almost become accepted, hasn't it? Uh, well, accepted by who? I don't think it's been accepted by the people being censored. Okay, let me uh, clarify I, that. People, yeah, go pe- ahead. There's not enough pushback because people that don't like it, they're not really resisting it. Or, I mean, the media has the loudest voices, right? They're very, they're fine with censoring those of us who disagree with their worldview. But the average person that can't really say anything other than you know write a little note to their representative or, or whatever, it seems like they can't do anything about it. So it has become almost like, okay, well, this is, this is what we've come to accept now. Well, I think people are frustrated. Uh, not Let's put it this way. They're frustratingly acknowledging it, mm. okay? Because remember, we had a re- Republican revolution in 1994, and everybody went, hooray, after 40 years of Democratic control of Congress, maybe we'll get some of the reforms. Everybody goes to Washington and ding, nothing happens. Mm. Okay. Uh, 2008, the Tea Party movement comes along. What do they want? Constitutional government, reduction of the size of government, protection of their rights. What did the media say? They're racists. Yeah. I mean, everything was their racist. And I kept looking going, where does racism come into this? They just want their rights respected, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, et cetera. And so, yeah, but now there's a protest. People are upset. People are moving to other platforms. And they're finding different ways. You know, they have artificial intelligence running these algorithms that do the censorship. People come up with different ways of abbreviating stuff that the AI can't figure That's out. That's true. But yeah, right. <laughs> you know, we come up with different things. Um, or they have other platforms like Rumble's becoming very popular. Our church has already been put in um, uh, YouTube jail once, you know, during our live services for something that God said. So <laughs> we're now planning on streaming on Rumble and YouTube. So if you don't find us on YouTube, go over to Rumble. Okay. Wait a minute. That's did, the best. Of, go ahead. Did, did you say something that God said, meaning you, you shared some scripture or something was preached on and that was, you know, deleted from YouTube or what something? Uh, it, he was talking, he's been talking about the subject of vaccinations. Um, and not as a matter of the regular preaching, but just the battle that we're in, uh, in terms of it's one thing to say, you really should get these vaccinations and make all the case that you want to. I got that. But the moment that you mandate it, that's a whole different issue. Remember in the issue of abortion, my body, my choice. Well, what happened to that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, now they're saying it's your body, our choice. <laughs> and so it's, and this is important to recognize mm-hmm. about the progressive left is they have gone 180 degree flip over everything they preached at us for decades. They said there was no absolute truth, therefore no absolute morals, therefore you shouldn't push them on anybody. Now they're making absolute statements. They're pushing their values on everybody. Yes. Everything they told us, they have flipped. That's why they are not a reliable platform on which to build a society or morality. So I want to mention before we move on to other topics, when we talked a little bit about education, you have a great new podcast called Fight the Educat Tyranny. 
and you talk about school boards declaring they know what's best for your child. You have talked for decades as well as most of us have written about the teachers' unions and the warped worldview going back to John Dewey. And so the information is out there, but I just want to point out that podcast over at steelonsteel.com, and it is with Nicole Neely. So go check that out. We'll link to that in today's podcast notes. But, John, we got to go back to something we didn't completely put a bow and wrap up yet, and that is yeah. the fact that people are moving out of these other states, such as California, Washington, Oregon, uh, the liberal states, and they're moving to Idaho, Colorado, Texas, even Georgia, and we didn't connect that dot. So I understand there are both conservatives that are moving, Christians that are moving out, but there are also some progressives or liberals that don't like how California is being run. So how do you explain the fact that there's a combination of people moving out of these states, whether it's conservative, liberal, Christian, non-Christian, they're moving to these other states, but these other states are becoming more liberal, democratic, uh, 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 progressive, and they're becoming more purple, if not blue. How do you explain that? Yeah, the, the, there are two groups of people leave California. The, the first are conservative people, uh, largely business people, retired people. Um, who have just said, we can't deal with this. I was just in a meeting of uh, Christian businessmen from our church, and we have a fairly large church. We've had to add a third service uh, because of all the people, and we may have to add a fourth. We had standing room only. Praise in God. The 11 o'clock service. They understand what's wrong, and they understand why it's wrong. Mm-hmm. In other words, why California made a mess of its own operations. Uh, the second crowd don't like what happened. They don't like the price. They don't like some of the stuff. And they move out, but they are what I call the California cancer. And what it is is they carry the disease with them as they go, not Mm -hmm. understanding that the reason California is the way it is has been its politics of the last ah, 50 years, (laughs) ever since the book The Last Days of the Late Great State of California came out, if you remember (laughs) that, in 1968. So that's the danger that you have. And sure enough, they try to start implementing the very same policies that wrecked these states. If you look at every single state where the Democratic Party has been in control, cities, they're a mess. Mm -hmm. Corruption is high. Taxes are high. Government performance is low. We could go on and on and on, you know, about how it is. That's where socialism takes you every single time. It doesn't work. It has never worked. (laughs) It is not working anywhere in the world. Um, and it always needs a robust capitalism to to work off of it. So that's what's happening, although there is some hope, too, because um, uh, I mentioned one of our, our guys who handles our website, Brad Grant. Well, his wife was talking to a woman who they were homeschooling. She's very liberal. And she was in California and all of a sudden was being threatened with jail time by the state of California or her school district because she wasn't complying with uh, the curriculum because she's, she was using a government controlled, um, uh, poly, you know, program, et cetera, tied in with the government homeschool uh, areas. And so she said, well, the heck with that and left. And uh, Rachel told me, she said, I spent two hours talking to this woman who was telling me that everything is wrong. She said, I'm liberal, comma, but, <laughs> and uh, Rachel said, she's a conservative in the making. Look, you have to recognize, remember I said motive and method. All right. Mm -hmm. Most people in my family who are they they qualify themselves as being liberals are well motivated. They care for people. You know, they they want rights for everybody. Yada, yada, yada. That's down at that level one, the hoi polloi like you and I are. But they don't understand that the method is what is all messed up. How you get to those goals is messed up. And Mm. for them, those things are fused together in their minds. The most important thing you can do is to break that apart. So they'll say, well, I believe we should take care of the environment, unlike you Republicans. And you go, well, I'm a Republican and, you know, I live on five acres. I have one acre. The animals get four and they use it. I can tell from all the animal poop up there, deer and bear poop and everything, (laughs) um, et cetera. Uh, So I do believe in taking care of the environment, too. And they'll usually stare at you because they have these caricatures in their heads. And I say, however, the method that you're using isn't working. For example, look at California. They have a state which has had serious energy crisis, some of the highest energy in the world, and that's because of why. They're supposedly green policies. Now, I say supposedly green 
because all it's done is jack the price of energy, the cost of it. But that wonderfully green California state has had to go to Mexico to buy power from across the border where the environmental restrictions aren't the same. Hmm. They can burn coal over there. They can do all this sort of stuff, you know. So this is the hypocrisy yes. of what's in. So the, the the motive is good. Let's take care of the environment. The method is terrible. Hmm. And many times it wrecks the environment. Split those two things apart and all your friends, method and motive. And once you do that, you can actually talk to them. But as long as those things are merged, you know, same with global warming. Okay, let's say that the earth is toasting up at a horrible rate and it's man-made. What you going to do about it? Really, what you going to do? Well, we're going to drive electric cars. Okay, what are you going to drive those electric cars with? You have to charge them up. Click, we're going to plug it in at night. It's going to be sucking millions of amperes, watts, etc. Where are those coming from? Wind and solar. Well, wind and solar, <laughs> brace yourself for a shock. They are not economically sustainable. They're not ready for prime time. We just saw that in Texas last winter when the whole system collapsed because of that. Uh, what are you going to do? You're down to one, you're down to th- three or four sources. Number one, coal, natural gas, atomic energy, or like we have here in the Pacific Northwest, lots of dams on rivers that generate sustainable, renewable, clean electric energy. But they want to take the dams down. So no energy is acceptable. Even the windmills are what they call Cuisinarts because they're killing a lot of airborne animals that get chopped up by these things, run into the blades, yes. etc. Um, there is, you have to look again, method, motive, method, motive. Mm-hmm. So when you say, what are you going to do? The whole world, the world economy, the lifeblood of it is energy. And it's largely either natural gas or propane and or gasoline and diesel that's it that's what runs it worldwide and if you watch what happened in places like chile when they tried to implement some of these policies they had riots Mm. because in third world countries they couldn't deal with the differences in price wow so yep your your motive is great let's cut down co2 let's say we agree on that but your method you're going to just mess up the whole world economy you're going to crash it again if you look at everything they talked about in cop 26 they're talking about a radical reinvention of the world economy. These are economic conferences, not scientific conferences. Mm. And they want to come up with a form of global socialism, and they can doctorate in all this pretty language about, oh, I can't even think of some of the terms. But basically, they mean we're going to run the whole economy and control it from up here to make sure that it's sustainable. That's their favorite word, etc. Now they're talking about the Great Reset and the yeah. Great Narrative. It's all the same glop. Just yep. look at California. That's what the world will become. So, John, we have one minute left. So I want to continue on this. And I think people need to be reminded of what happened in Texas last winter, how that happened in a state like Texas. Also, I think we need to connect some dots going all the way back to the O'Biden, I mean, the Obama administration and Solyndra and some of these companies that went bankrupt that we really bankrolled so we got we have to connect even more dots now that we're on the topic of energy could we have a more expensive winter it looks like it's heading that way but isn't that part of the progressive agenda to jack up prices more with john leffler steel on steel radio when we come back on stand up for the truth your monthly financial support of standupforthetruth.com is needed and appreciated now back to today's stand up for the truth with David Fiorazzo. John Leffler has once said, Marxism is the perpetual religious warfare of pulling down functional societies in order to build a new so-called utopia. And that's what we are seeing around the world, Marxism in play. It's We have Marxism in America. I don't know if you've read, um, um, oh my goodness, I'm blanking on his name. Fox News, he's on uh, Late Night. Mark Levin, my goodness, I can't believe I couldn't remember his name. Mark Levin's book, Marxism in America, it's just it's phenomenal. It's just eye-opening. But, John, let's go back to energy. This is one of the things that they're attacking. You said that some of them don't even believe in environmentalism or climate change. Obviously, the hypocrisy, a lot of them flying around the world in these private jets, but they're telling everybody to be concerned about, you know, whatever, carbon emissions. So let's talk about what happened first last winter in Texas because you brought that up earlier. I don't know if a lot of people have connected those dots or understood fully 
why in Texas, how could they have policies that would have allowed that to happen in a state that big? It's important to talk about that, and uh, we need to look, as we do that, to segue right into what's going on in Europe right now, uh, because they have built themselves back into an energy corner. And uh, if you keep in mind, just one thing as I do this, what they're trying to tell you, using an old pilot's analogy, you know, when you're switching fuel tanks in the air, the trick is to turn on the good, the new tank before you turn off the old one. <laughs> they're trying to turn off the old tank before we have a new tank uh, and thinking that we're going to stay in the air. I, I now, like that. I like that. The real progressives understand, this is up at the PMC level, etc. they understand that they want to wreck the society. This is the Marxist dialectic they are following, this mm-hmm. bit about let's divide the country everywhere we can. It's what they're doing with critical race theory. It's a divider, not a unifier. It doesn't reduce racism. It increases it. It doesn't reduce oppression. It increases it. That's what it's designed to do, always while saying it's doing the opposite. This is such a classic Marxist tactic. So they want to wreck the culture, and energy is what makes the culture go. And so back in the early 1990s, they found a vehicle in global warming. There were a bunch of them at the Earth Summit in Rio in 1992. But they decided ultimately that global warming was the one that caught. If you remember, uh, former Vice President Al Gore wrote a book called Earth in the Balance. And he had he buckshotted it. He buckshotted all of the, sign, the crises. But by the time we got through with the Earth Summit and moved into the mid-90s, it was it, global warming. All of the funding went to global warming research, not to find out whether it was true or not, but to find out man-made causes. They started with the assumption it was true and then said we have to find man-made causes. If we couldn't do anything about it, the politicians couldn't make a lot of money off it with carbon credits and taxes. Now, speaking of taxes, that's the state down south there. Oh, Texas. I'm sorry, not taxes. All right. Um, the you had a perfect example of going to the wrong tank too early. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas, because of its uh, coastal uh, nature and warm climate, etc., had a large number of wind generating stations, uh, plant not plants, but you know windmills that mm, yes. generate all this power. Twenty percent. Uh, Texas also has been separate from the national grid for various reasons of not having to comply with a lot of federal nonsense, etc. Well, what happened is that. In the midst of this cold, which is unusual for Texans, this type of freezing cold that came down there, the windmills froze up. They couldn't work. So the energy system being generated, 20%, being generated by this collapsed. Now, the gas plants that they have in Texas had to not only provide for the increased demand because of the cold, but then when the wind systems ran up, they then the gas plants had to ramp up even further, hmm. okay, even to do it. And they couldn't handle the load. And because Texas was off the grid, and our grid is antiquated, we need a whole new grid. We're not protecting it against electromagnetic pulse. Yep. We know it's a danger. We know something needs to be done. And everybody from the government to the power companies are dragging their feet uh, on doing something. It's a one-time investment to protect the grid. Um, so that's what brought about this collapse. Uh, you can't go to a system that only provides power part-time, either wind or solar, which is very expensive and non-sustainable economically. It's had to be subsidized. You were talking about that during the break, David. Yes. Uh, and then say, we're going over to that. It doesn't work. Look at Germany. The Green Party, the Grünen, as they called them in German, German are a very big party. And they managed to have Germany start shutting down its nuclear power plants because who knows, we might have another Chernobyl once this would blow up and then Berlin would be glowing in the dark, you know, that type of thing, uh, et cetera. Okay, well, what, what are you going to replace it with? All right, some of the power, Norway is a huge generator of hydropower that comes across the, the straits there between Norway and Denmark, uh, subsea cables that go across. Well, that's good. A lot of power is bought from there. But in a time of warfare, somebody could blow those cables up and that's it. <laughs> nothing more, nothing more happens. The other area is natural gas. Where do they get their natural gas? Well, guess what? Comrade, we are here to sell you natural gas. Okay. So Putin is selling natural gas, like 80% of it, you know, something like that. 80. I don't have the stats right in front of me here, uh, to Germany. So Germany is strategically now beholden 
to Putin because most of its energy generation is coming from natural gas. France is still using nuclear. Nuclear now with modern technology is clean. You don't have the Chernobyl type of meltdowns, etc. So, you, you know, whenever, whenever somebody says global warming, yap, 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 this or that, energy green, blah, 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 you can run through the facts real fast and say this will not work <laughs> the way you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And um, But nobody wants to hear that. So what they're trying to do is turn off the good tank or the running tank before they switch on the next tank, and it won't work. And we saw that happen in Texas. Right. So you're saying, or at least you said before we got back on the air, you're concerned that what's happening in Germany and Europe over there is coming here. I mean, we're already seeing um, increasing energy prices, high prices on gas and and other things. Um, Is this connected at all to the Biden administration policy I, I think it is because the first thing he did was slash the Keystone Pipeline. Can you help us connect those dots and how those policies are similar to what's happening in Europe and how and unless we stop them or vote them out, what else? What are our options? Yeah, you you have to do something. Because you're, you're right about this. What happened is, you know, you have two worldviews now competing. You have a Judeo-Christian worldview and traditionalist. You mentioned it at the beginning of the show, constitutionalists. Let's go back to what the founders really intended. Mm-hmm. And then you have this new progressive, let's wreck the whole thing and build a utopia. And so these two worldviews, depending on who gets into office, are pulling back and forth, just lurching one side to the other uh, as they get in power. We've seen that here with this administration. Uh, business can't put up with that. That's why when the, you know, they jump through the hoops, they fulfill the requirements of, of Congress, and all of a sudden Biden says, we're not going to allow it. I don't even know if he's got the constitutional authority to do that. Um, but they finally, the, the, the people involved in the Keystone pipeline said, okay, that's it. We just can't deal with this anymore. We're losing money as you do this. Understand that for ideologues, they don't care. Hmm. Um, so that's where we have come with, with energy is that we did. We jacked up the price of, immediately you began to see the price of energy rise because Mr. Trump allowing the drilling and the transfers and the progress of the Keystone pipeline uh, we were making ourselves energy independent. And that's why energy dropped down. That's why economy boomed. Remember, it's the lifeblood. You raise energy, the economy slows down. People lose jobs. People starve. People go hungry. People die. There's a direct relationship to this. Hmm. So, you know, people don't realize. Remember we had the Paris Climate Accord before the COP26? Yes. And what people don't, you know, President Trump said, this isn't working. It's not going to work. And he pulled us out. And, of course, you hear that. Oh, no, it's always ruining the planet, blah, blah, blah. These people who don't understand, you know, all of the nonsense out of the media. Mm-hmm. If all of the countries that pledge stuff at the Paris Accord lived up to their pledges, and I don't know if you've looked, but they're not doing that. No. Okay. If they lived up to their pledges, it would only be 1% of what would be required. Just 1% Jeez. of what would be required to reduce the the global temperature the way they want to do it. Um, So they're willing to remember in the mind of the radical progressive, you talked about the Marxists. The Marxists say there are three stages. Number one, here we are. We're going to go to stage three. Uh, That's our utopia. And in the middle, we just have to have all of this chaos and confusion and wreckage and loss of life and destruction of property in order to make the transformation. That's where we're on in right now. They're trying to get us and keep us in stage two. Unfortunately, in the history of the world, starting with the French Revolution and going through the Bolshevik Revolution and the Nazi Revolution and every revolution since then, that's a Marxist revolution, they never get to stage three. Mm. It always bogs down in stage two with economic chaos, and then it becomes a dictatorship. So you're saying that they're looking at much of what's happening, the world, the people, innocent people as collateral damage. Um yeah, if if they're that ideologically driven. Let me ask you this. You said let's wreck the whole system and start over. I understand what you mean by that. I understand there's people that actually believe that and that's what's best and that's what they're trying to do at the expense of America and the system of government and policy. But are so many people in America generally too naive to believe that this is true of the left, that there are people that driven that they're willing to sacrifice the system, the country, uh, capitalism, the, the whole, in order to just have their, quote, utopia and start over. 
People don't want to believe it. Americans yes, yes. don't want to believe that, David. They yeah. just don't want to believe it. For all the years we told them what was going on in education, that the radical educrats in Washington had grabbed control and were transforming it, starting in the 1989 approximately. Nobody wanted to believe it. Mm-hmm. Pastors didn't want to believe it. They blurt out, well, that's conspiracy theory. Well, that's not the question you should be asking. The question is, is there a group of people? They always telegraph to us what they're going to do. Hmm. You just have to go look. You won't find it on MSNBC, but if you go to some of the documents and start reading these things, and you go, wait a minute, this is what he's talking about here. So, yeah, they really do believe. Victor Davis Hanson said it to me the last time we talked, and he said you have a group of people, uh, especially in the high-tech industries and the social media, who they're making money hand over fist. They don't have to worry about the food tomorrow. They're Mm. making fabulous amounts of money. And they're willing to put you and me at risk for the sake of achieving their utopia. Uh, He has correctly identified that. Yes, Mm. they always believe. Even remember Jacques Cousteau? Yes. um, Who said to save the planet, we were going to have to have X billion people die. Well, sounds like Bill Gates. Yeah, see? So these are the, the people who don't have to worry about their their income. It's mm-hmm. made. Mm-hmm. They have turned their focus now on remaking the planet. Mm. And it's ironic because they've made their money through capitalism and then they come and promote socialism. Um it's and it's it's a very it's a very strange thing. But yes, they, that's what they're up to. And you know, Dr. Michael Kaufman, going all the way back to his book Saviors of the Earth, began to identify this where the the religion, the environmental movement, and I'm in favor of good environmental policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he identified, though, that it had been taken over by the radicals. It was a pantheistic worldview, and that they believed that mankind was a blight on the face of the planet. <laughs> and so, and of course, that's not biblical, right. right? That's a non-biblical position. And if we could just get rid of, it was the same thing as the feminist movement. You know, men are worthless, violent sperm bags, and if we didn't need them for reproduction and just had women, you know, the, the land of the Amazons, wouldn't it be great? <laughs> I guess we're in the land of the Amazon right now, right? It's Amazon.com. Um, <laughs> exactly. And the, you know, so when you look at, look at what the radicals were saying, all you have to do is go read it, uh, and then you can figure it out. But most people are down at that level one where you and I tend to dwell or at least talk, yep. and they don't believe all this stuff's going on. So, John Leffler, we only have two minutes left. We could do two, three hours with you, and we're going to have to have you on much sooner than uh, last time. But we didn't get to talk about the newest COVID variant and uh, the the media getting ready to peddle their panic porn and the fear mongering. And what what is it? O- Omicron? Can you tell us a little bit about this in, in a minute, minute and a half? What your thoughts are on this? Yeah, you know what I would rather do. Let me grab control of the conversation. Sure. Um, because it, it's just it's another variant. You know, we keep going through the variants and diseases do go through this. I'm going to push that aside. Remember that everything we're going through here is temporary. This is really important to remember. God will have a better kingdom coming. Mm-hmm. And he predicted to us that in the end time, we would have a global socialist, very fascist looking government. This mm-hmm. is the book of Revelation with total control of the economic system, with the insistence that you believe in the Antichrist system, just in order to participate in it, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. All you and I are doing is traveling through right now, and all we try to do on the show is let Christians know what's happening so they can plan their lives accordingly. The danger is that this wokus pocus, as I call it, it is toxic to faith, toxic. It is not compatible with biblical values any more than Marxism is. And that is the danger of the churches, is that churches from evangelical to you name it, all the way over to the Catholic Church, are becoming riddled with this wokus pocus. Mm. And the more new pastors you have that got indoctrinated into this, the danger they bring into the church. That's where you have to maintain your faith and direction. John Leffler, Steel on Steel Radio, thank you so much, brother. God bless you. Have a Merry Christmas season. God bless and be at peace. All right, thanks, John. Come on, coming up tomorrow, we've got Pastor Tim Stevens up from Canada in prison several times, just keeping his church open. And then on Thursday, we've got author James Simpson. He's got a book out, Who Was Karl Marx? We're going to get into more of the details with him. And thank you guys so much for listening. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.